Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. Try to imagine in ancient times when a king or a prince would come and visit a certain place, the nature of that procession. No doubt the king would come in either riding in a royal carriage or at least riding on a great white steed. Now we come to the climax of the Lord Jesus' long journey to Jerusalem and his triumphal entry as the king of the universe into the city of God one that his disciples were certain would culminate in his taking his proper place on the throne of David in the temple and establishing his earthly kingdom in splendor and majesty. It is against this backdrop that we read in Luke 19 of his actual entry in, into Jerusalem, not on a great white horse or in a royal palanquin, but instead riding on the most humble of all creatures, a young donkey. Dick Taylor has joined us for this fellowship. Dick, I'm looking forward to our program today. Me too, Chris. This is a wonderful word to show us something of what kind of Christ we have. The Lord Jesus, Dick, ushered in the age of Jubilee in chapter 4 of this gospel. And the whole of the Christian life is the enjoyment, the experience of this Jubilee. But in the chapters leading up to chapter 19, we've seen a number of parables and accounts that all point out how we can be qualified to be those who not only participate in the Jubilee today in this age as believers in Christ, but who are able to enter in and participate into the advanced stage of the Jubilee in the coming millennial kingdom. Maybe you could take a minute. I think this is such a critical point. It would be good if you could summarize a little bit of what we have seen about this qualification. Uh, you're right, Chris. This is a critical point. It's really good to see that in chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, the Lord touches the matter of serving him, the matter of being faithful to him so that we might be rewarded in the coming millennial kingdom. In 19, now, it puts two things together. It puts the matter of salvation and the matter of service together. So related to salvation or regarding salvation, we just receive Christ right. into our being. This mm -hmm. is really simple. This is really precious. This is wonderful. And this is so that we could have him as our grace, as our enjoyment. Now, if we're faithful to enjoy him in this age, love him to the uttermost and serve him, which means remain in the enjoyment that we had even when we initially received him, then the Lord welcomes us into the full enjoyment of the millennial kingdom or the jubilee in the coming thousand years as a reward. 
So the point in chapter 19 is with Zacchaeus, first of all, we just need to receive him as yes. our salvation. Today, today, salvation has come to your house. Yeah, today, yeah. salvation has come to your house. So today, that day, Zacchaeus received salvation, which means he received the Jubilee right. because Christ himself is the Jubilee. Now, following Zacchaeus, we have the parables of the slaves. And if they are faithful, exercising their talent and what the Lord has given them, then the Lord rewards them and brings them into the full joy of their master. This indicates, really, after receiving salvation, we want to love the Lord to the uttermost, serve him every day, give him to others. And what's the result? Then we're qualified to enter into the full enjoyment of the Jubilee. So uh, may we be those who pick up the principle from all these chapters, and that is this. If you enjoy him now, you'll enjoy him later in a way of reward. So we don't want to mess around. We want to take advantage of this one who's our salvation, to enjoy him faithfully every day, serve him every day. Then we're qualified to enter into the full enjoyment of the Jubilee in the coming millennial kingdom. Marvelous introduction, Dick. A very good summary. You uh, more than exceeded my uh, simple question, and I appreciate it because it does set up, I think, very well the fellowship that we will have today as Jesus now coming into Jerusalem. We've seen uh, through a number of programs this long journey beginning up in Galilee and then working his way down through Samaria, the land of rejection, and now he is entering into Jerusalem. His disciples think this is it. He's going to set up his earthly kingdom and what a glorious era will be ushered in. But rather, what we find out, the Lord was coming to Jerusalem to present himself up to be crucified. Amen. Of course, he was the one really who had the kingdom in view, as we'll see in these several programs we're going to have on this topic. Why don't we join Witness Lee? This is a beginning of a new section, the man Savior's presentation of himself to death for redemption. From Galilee, he took a long journey to go to Jerusalem to do one thing, just to die. But you have to realize he was going to present himself on the altar. In Leviticus, you see he was all the offerings offered on the altar. That was in the Old Testament type. In the New Testament fulfillment, the altar is just the cross. The cross. He was not only the offering, but also he was the offering priest to offer the sacrifice to God. He was both. He was the offering priest, and he was also the offering. This thought is clearly revealed in the book of the Hebrews. Now, in the four Gospels, especially Luke, he was going to Jerusalem, not only to be the offerings, but also to be the priest, to offer all the offerings to God on the cross, which is the fulfillment of the altar. Eventually, when he ended his journey, closed Jerusalem, he got himself prepared as a king. While he was ready to enter into Jerusalem, he prepared himself as a king. Not a king in a splendor. No, 
but a king in humility. He didn't prepare the big house. He、uh, just sovereignly prepared a baby donkey, a colt, a small donkey. It's marvelous, marvelous. What Dick is, we're listening here. I think、uh, this point about the little donkey that we alluded to in the opening today probably speaks for itself. To the kind of entry that the Lord was、uh, engaged in, as opposed to what everyone thought. But I was very touched here about this matter of Him being both the offerings and the offerer. We touched this a little bit when we had our life study of Leviticus. I wonder if maybe we should develop it today. In Leviticus, you can see many offerings:、uh, the sin offering, burn offering, trespass offering,、uh, meal offering, peace offering, etc. But it's so good to realize, Chris,、uh, in this message today, that we are brought to Christ as the reality of all these offerings. So the Lord is coming to Jerusalem to present Himself as the unique offering to God. I don't know what to say except how joyful I am. Related to this ministry, bringing us to Christ as the reality of all the shadows in the Old Testament, like the disciples in Luke 24 after the resurrection,、uh, they were just full of doubts and everything. And when Jesus was talking with them, even they didn't recognize him, but he began opening to them all the things in the Scriptures concerning himself. No doubt, he was showing them Leviticus,、yes. and that all the offerings were pointing to him. And he no doubt told them about the high priest, and that the high priest, the offering priest, was also him. And we see this brought out in a way of fulfillment in Hebrews nine, where Christ is both the high priest and the offerings. So I don't know what to say except thank you, Lord, so much for bringing us to yourself. Remember,、uh, Chris, there's a, a hymn we sing. It's a、uh, All in all, forever, only Christ will sing. Everything, everything is, is in, in Christ, Christ, and Christ, Christ is, is everything. everything.、Yes. Like the disciples in、uh, Luke 24, after the Lord disappeared, when they finally got him to eat with them at Emmaus,、uh, their heart was on fire. And, and just like ours, going over this program, our heart is on fire because we're brought to this precious Christ. Who is the offerings, and who is even the offering priest in God's economy? That's His plan to gain a people、uh, for His expression by dispensing Himself in Christ as life and everything into them. Christ is everything in this plan, and even part of this、uh, is He's the offerings, qualifying us to be one with God, and He's the offering priest. So. What can we say about this section again? Except Hallelujah! What a Christ! He's the reality of all these shadows. Dick, let's pick up the story now. I think、uh, again, most of our listeners are familiar with the scene. We have the Lord Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, and the disciples by now are very excited.、Um, they think、uh, the King is here.、Uh, we are with him. This will be glorious. And the Gospel of Luke accounts how they are taking their clothing and laying it on first the donkey for him to ride on, and then. Things are being laid out before him,、right. and the people are shouting "Hosanna!"、Mm-hmm. Uh, and、uh, quite a scene. Quite a scene. But we want to see this scene today from the Lord's point of view, which we really get in verse forty-one and forty-two. As he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, "If you knew in this day, even you, the things that are for your peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes." For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a rampart before you and will encircle you and press you in on every side, 
and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave a stone upon a stone in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. That is a penetrating word, Dick. You did not know the time of your visitation. Mm-hmm. We need to know when he visits, don't we? We really need to know when Christ visits. Let's visit witnessly. At that time, I believe John and James took the lead to be excited. They took off their clothings and put on the donkey and put some on the street. They cut off the branches. They were going to celebrate the triumphant entry into the capital. I do believe the celebration parade was quite long. They celebrated. They got crazy. And all the Pharisees got shocked. They say, look, look. The entire world followed this man. What shall we do? We can do nothing. Then anyhow, he entered into the city. But you know what he did? The first thing he lamented for Jerusalem. He was unhappy. I do believe out of that big crowd, he was the only one who uh, lamented. And all the others celebrated. They shouted, they cried, they said, this is the top celebration. Our king is going to take the country. And we all are his followers. We'll participate in his ruling. But he didn't have such celebrating thought. He lamented over Jerusalem. Oh, poor Jerusalem. I hope that you know your days. This is the day of visitation, yet you don't appreciate. You are not grateful to this visitation. I am rendering you. But you have to realize, not too long after I die, resurrected, oh, the charge day will come to you. You will be leveled down. We know that happened just a little over 30 years later. In AD 70, Titus, the prince of the Roman Empire, brought his army and leveled the entire Jerusalem, leaving no stone upon another stone. Terrible. So now you understand why the man Savior in such a celebration would not joy but lamented over Jerusalem. That was his uh, compassion moved within him during the celebration of the triumphant entry into the capital. Dick, the paradox that's presented here is striking. Uh, The disciples in a near state of euphoria, joined by all of the people welcoming him, but yet he knew that something else awaited him, a kind of rejection that resulted in his lamenting and even this very prophetic word about what was going to happen to Jerusalem. Uh, the whole scene is uh, it, it's just stark in how these two things are playing out at the same time, isn't it? It really is, Chris. And uh, no doubt he's lamenting because Jerusalem is rejecting him and rejecting him even to the point of the crucifixion. But uh, appreciate this word, don't you, Chris, that uh, Jerusalem did not recognize the day of visitation. 
this should be a wake-up call for all of us to wake up the day of visitation. That means Christ himself. Even everyone who's listening, we have to realize every day the Lord wants to visit us. Right. And we want to be so sensitive and so keen and so ready for his visitation. We want to welcome this king. But what happened to Jerusalem, for the most part, we see completely rejected him, even to the point of his crucifixion. So the Lord was not jubilant and exulting like the disciples. He was lamenting because he realized what was happening. He realized what would happen to Jerusalem, and he was recognizing the rejection of his visitation, even though the people were kind of outwardly celebrating. Basically, he was being rejected. Yet at the same time, the wonderful thing, Chris, is this, that as he's going into Jerusalem, he wanted Jerusalem to be his dwelling place. That's right. And especially his people to be his dwelling place. So the Lord is being rejected, and he is going into death, but his death eventually is going to produce his dwelling place. And he will eventually, through his death and resurrection, be able to dwell with his people. And there will be the reality of Jerusalem even on this earth. God's expression will be here on this earth in his people. So we have to thank the Lord for this prophetic chapter. And like you said, Chris, yes, Jerusalem was leveled in 70 AD, so his word was very prophetic. But he was looking, as we'll see in this next section of the broadcast, he was looking and his attention was always upon God's dwelling place. He wanted to dwell with his people and he wanted a testimony among his people. May we be those sensitive to his visitation. Dick, a perfect setup for this last section. What we see as we go on into chapter 19, as he continues his entry, he goes right to the temple, the place that should be for God's dwelling. And once again, as he repeats something that took place at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he cleanses the temple by chasing out the money changers and the commerce uh, that was going on to cleanse the house of God. And this is very meaningful, as we'll see in this last portion. That's right. So after that, he entered into the temple, not to take it over, but to cleanse it. He went there to cleanse the temple, indicating his presentation of himself to God on the cross was to produce a cleansed temple, to produce many grains, to form a loaf, which is the body. And this body, the church, which is the temple of God. Not the robber's den, but the purified and cleansed house of God for God's dwelling place. This is the (laughs) triumphant entry of the man Savior into the capital. Not in the natural sense. To take the country? No. But to present himself to the God-ordained death. Not just to bring in the jubilee, but also to produce a cleansed, a purified dwelling place to God. So the temple is a central, a focal point of God's economy. And this is his concern of God's interest. When he was 12 years of age, he was concerned about this. 
when he came to minister, the very beginning, he took care of this temple. Then, at the end of his earthly ministry, when he entered into Jerusalem, he expressed again his concern for the top interest of his father, that is his dwelling place of all his chosen people. He was not concerned for getting a kingdom. James John, they were concerned for that. He was only concerned for the interest of God's people. Hallelujah. I hope that we all can see something, not in a natural way, but according to the entire revelation of the New Testament. Boy, Dick, I'm just uh, stunned at this revelation, this kind of word. How many times we have read, perhaps, this passage and not seen what we just saw here. I feel the same way, Chris. You know, if you go back and look carefully in Luke, first when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple taking care of his father's business. Then at 30, as he begins his earthly ministry, he goes in and has a scourging of the temple with a whip, right? And drives out the robbers and uh, thieves. Mm -hmm. And now at the end of his earthly ministry, once again, he's consumed with this matter of God's dwelling place. This is really a picture of what our life should be touched and consumed with, isn't it? It really is, Chris. Uh, We now are those who have received Christ, and we love him, and we need to love what he loves. Yes. He loves the temple. And what's the temple? The temple is his people who are filled with him, constituted with him, and builded together in him. Uh, Like Ephesians 2.22 says, in whom you also are being builded together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. So the main burden here is that his desire is for God's dwelling place. And like you said, Chris, I really like that. At 12, this was his concern. That was the very beginning of anything that we hear about him doing anything. He was in the temple. And at 30, there he is, taking care of the purifying and cleansing and scourging of the temple. Now here again. He just has one burden, and that is God's dwelling place. So he's not just interested in bringing in the jubilee, but he also wants to have a purified temple. That is the dwelling place of God. God's people, in a purified way, have become his dwelling place. God dwells in man. Man dwells in God. And this is for God's expression and for God's glory. So what a deep thought and what a marvelous revelation is brought out of this section his entrance into Jerusalem, and his uh, cleansing of the temple. This is precious. I'd like to just read a couple of sentences from the life study of Luke about this matter. All right, Dick, before you do that, let me point out, as we're near the end of the program, that these life study messages are available to all of our listeners. We invite you to call. And uh, I'm going to give the number now, Dick, so we can conclude with what you're about to read. The toll-free number, if you'd like to find out about how to receive these life studies in printed form, one 888 Life Study. That's 888-543-3788. Okay, Dick, you close the program today with this portion. The man-savior's triumphant entry into Jerusalem was not for the purpose of taking over the country. The Lord entered into Jerusalem to present himself to an all-inclusive death to the death ordained by God. This death would not merely bring in the jubilee. It would also produce a cleansed and purified dwelling place for God. Now listen to this. Therefore, the temple is the central point, the focal point of God's economy. That's God's dwelling place. And one more sentence. 
According to the full revelation of the New Testament, the Lord's concern in entering into Jerusalem was to produce a purified temple for God's dwelling place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dick, I have thoroughly, utterly enjoyed our time together today and feel very much grateful to the Lord for the light that he has shown. Me too, brother. Thank you. You're welcome. Come back. I will. We are out of time. I've given you the phone number. I'll just leave it with you one more time. 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Please call us. And for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.